Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. What's up, Brew Talkers? I'm turning the big 3-0 this year, and I wanted to create a bonus episode for the Brew Talkers audience, divulging all the lessons I've learned during my 20s. I hope some of these lessons I learned will help you or someone you know not make the same mistakes I did and use some of my wisdom to achieve even more success earlier on than I did. Pinkies up and enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to a brand new decade of my life. I just turned 30 years old, and it hurts just as much as they said it would. My lower back is killing me, my knees crack every time I get up, and I'm routinely sore if I sleep longer than six hours. So for the listeners in the audience still in their 20s, enjoy it because it's literally all downhill from here. But in light of this milestone in my life, I thought I would share some of the lessons I learned during my 20s. This part of my life encompassed graduating from college, getting my first job, falling in love, heartbreak, getting married, starting a family, going to college again for my master's, and much, much more. So obviously, I can't reduce all of the events during this chapter into a succinct list of do's and don'ts, but I can certainly try to share the experiences that stood out the most and what it means for me moving into my 30s. One piece of advice I will share is to find time to journal and reflect. So most of the lessons I'm about to share with you came from rereading journal entries I had made years ago. Um, right as they were occurring in the midst of the circumstance, whatever the event was. You can learn a lot of yourself about yourself from your entries and documenting the experiences captures crucial building blocks uh, for your future self. It's also healthy and it helps to unload the emotional stuff that may be weighing us down. So within your busy, already busy calendar, um, you know, set aside five minutes of journaling every day uh, and five minutes. Let me do that again. So five minutes of journaling every day will keep the negative feelings away. And with that, we'll kick it off with the lessons. So the first lesson that I learned was work harder on yourself than you do on your job. One of my mentors, Jim Rohn, uh, he was a really big uh, motivational speaker and business enthusiast in the late or like 1980s range and beyond, and has since you know been a, a virtual mentor to me in college through various motivational YouTube videos, TikToks, audiobooks, et cetera. And, and this tiny bit of wisdom changed my life. And the premise behind it is to develop as much skill as you can. So your nine to five job will only provide you with so many experiences and activities to sharpen your skills before you realize it's not enough. And really the reason why we want to build skills is because it's actually the capacity that allows us to drive value. And so I, there's a article that I'm about to write for one of my LinkedIn newsletters. It's called Growing with Gomez. Check it out. It'll probably come out within the next couple of weeks. And I, in the article, I describe that value is just being able to take these raw materials or these resources and translating them into either a product or a service that somebody wants to buy or that somebody wants to use. 
And the capacity for us to do that is within the skills. And so when we have these conversations of, well, I want to make more money and I want to be able to see upward mobility and I want to perform better. A lot of it comes down to the skills that we acquire and the way that we utilize them to transform ordinary resources into things that people demand. And so after recognizing this, working harder on yourself than you do on your jobs, this skill acquisition, I recognized that I had to take personal responsibility for my professional development so that I could increase the value that I deliver to others because that's what would increase the paychecks moving forward. So I will actually put a YouTube video to the the YouTube link to the video that just talks about this concept. And there's also a resource I want to make sure I communicate to you all, and that's The Power of Ambition by Jim Rohn. Fantastic audiobook. I've probably listened to it on repeat like six times, but it really solidifies this idea of skill acquisition and really taking responsibility for your own professional development. So next lesson, focus on outcomes rather than activity. So busyness feels like achievement. In my 20s, I would, gauge, I would engage in a ton of studying for several hours at the library, but only complete two assignments. At work, I might answer and send emails, call people, answer team chats, and connect with three people on LinkedIn all within the first hour, but not move the needle, but not move the needle on any of my important tasks. At the end of the day, the only metric that matters is the results. And there's a great quote provided by John Maxwell in one of his texts that says, praise effort, reward results. If there is not an output, therefore a, an improvement, an increase, a decrease, or some sort of change that is resulting from the inputs, your effort, your activities, it just doesn't matter. And for me, this took most of my 20s to, to comprehend because I felt comforted by the feeling of doing a lot. And I didn't want to confront the reality that my activity was actually counterproductive and that I needed to change. One of the other nuances to this lesson was that I fell in love with being busy and I didn't want to confront the fact also that I may not even know what the right activities are. And I recall there was a period of time, probably about a good six months, to, it might have been even a year, where I'd created a Google Sheet and essentially duplicated the calendar that I had in Outlook into the Google Sheet and I would track as I had meetings, I would document it here in, inside of this Google Sheet calendar. And then at the end of the day or end of the week, I can't remember, I would document what I considered to be productive. And it was almost as if creating the Google Sheet and then going through that exercise was counterproductive because arguably I was spending more time doing that than I was actually just doing the work. And so a couple of things that I learned from that exercise and just that experience is one, we're actually not as productive as we think that we are. And two, we like the feeling of busyness more than we like the feeling of doing the activities that are actually producing the result. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what did you produce from the inputs that you put in? So let's start being outcome driven first and the right activities will follow. Okay, next lesson. Learn to influence and lead people. During all of our interactions, we are either influencing or being influenced. As the workplace becomes increasingly collaborative with ad hoc committees 
and task force being created to solve problems, often an individual will be appointed as the quote-unquote leader of the group and asked to achieve results without direct authority. The success of the group will depend on the leader's ability to get buy-in and produce favorable outcomes without relying on a position to command action. Now, this is hard, but incredibly powerful in almost any context requiring group cooperation. This ability to change people's behavior and move them in unison toward a common goal is, in my opinion, the single greatest skill a professional and even a person can possess. It just takes a lifetime to acquire. The concept, though, of leadership and being able to influence people's behavior transcends just a business setting or a professional setting. You can be a great leader inside of your home as a husband and as a father or as a mother and a wife or a community member or any other capacity where you need to have group involvement. And it really comes down to not just the technical expertise that you may have. Think about like engineers, medical doctors. Um, maybe you're in the community and you're a fundraiser, or maybe you're a, a writer, or maybe you're a fun, you're a franchising professional, right? Outside of the technical expertise that you bring to the marketplace, there's also this area where people need to buy into you as the person, right? They need to know that you are trustworthy, that you are competent in the direction that you want to go in, that you know how to get there. Right, and that you ultimately build trust, which is a hot commodity in today's age. So some of the resources that I want to communicate to you so that you can start to build this other aspect of your leadership and really learn how to lead and influence people well. First one is The Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. Second one is How to Become a Person of Influence by John Maxwell himself. And then the third one is Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. I probably chopped that one up. Sorry to the to the author that wrote it. Um, all three are phenomenal resources that will talk to you about the concept and teach you how to be a person of influence, how to lead really, really well, and what does it mean to be a person of influence in a business setting as well as outside of your life. Okay, next lesson. I felt like I always had to have it figured out. You especially feel this way when in big moments of transition. So think about if, if I have a high schooler listening to this right now, think about the transition from high school to college. You want to make sure that I'm taking the right classes. You want to make sure that I am going to a great school because that's going to matter in the professional world. And you want to make sure that you um, have the right credentials to get into the right school, right? You want everything mapped out. And then there comes, again, this transitionary period where you're coming from college to the professional world, right? So if I'm talking to my 20 to 22-year-olds that are just now going through graduation or in the season of graduation, you're going to end up feeling like, man, I have to have that first job because then if I don't, that sets the precedence for the rest of my career. And what you ultimately find out is that there is no perfect way to start. There is no map, there is no plan, there's an ideal trajectory that you can follow that has a proven track record of success, but it doesn't mean that that's the one that's best suited for you. And so in these moments of transition, I always felt like I had to get it right the first time and that there was no room for error and if, that, if I experienced error, then my life was doomed. 
right? And we really kind of take it that dramatic. And it's the emotions, it's the anxiety, it's the not knowing what is on the other side of this uncertainty. And what I'm here to tell you is that the lesson that I learned was I don't have to have it figured out. My journey will unfold before me after I take action in a direction. And I can always pivot from that initial direction if I need to, and I will be okay. And so many times when I was selling insurance and I decided to pivot away and go to franchising, when I you know, was writing articles and I started to make a podcast, when you know, I became, I was a boyfriend and then I became a husband, like there are all of these areas where life kind of is fluid and we never know what's going to unfold before us. But the confidence that we need to have is that we can always change trajectory and we will find our path. We just have to continue taking action. So that was a lesson that I took uh, earlier in my in my 20s and it's kind of unfolded as I've, as I've gotten to this age of 30. The next lesson is rarely is anyone thinking about you. So from the time that I was 14 till I was 28, I cared too much about how I was perceived by the others around me. I was concerned with my appearance, the number of accolades I accumulated, the perception people had of the job I was working and whether or not I fit in. And then after a decade and a half, I realized no one was ever thinking about me in the first place. And people are more concerned with all of the other noise that is filling their own mind that they're rarely paying attention to you at all. And I hope this idea liberates the 18-year-old that's going into college or the 22-year-old that's fixing to graduate from college and go into the, the workforce. Everybody else is dealing with the same emotions, the same fears, the same uncertainty, that they're not thinking about where you're going to end up. And rarely are people thinking about what are you doing five or six years afterwards, so much as they're going to compare themselves to you and then get inside of their own head about the things that are occurring, right? So just to keep it simple, nobody's thinking about you at all because they're so concerned with their own trajectories and where they're going. So let it liberate you and go on doing about the things that really fill you up and that give your life meaning. Next lesson, don't compare yourself to others. You are truly your own competition. So let me use this illustration. Have you ever compared an apple and lettuce? Two totally different types of food in terms of taste, color, growth, usage in the food, etc. It would be idiotic to compare either one to another and ask which one is better, right? You don't put peanut butter on lettuce and you don't chop up apples and put them on a taco, right? Or you don't chop up lettuce or apples and put them inside of a burger, do you? And if you do, well, then you're pretty unique and I would want to try those foods or those combinations sometime. But for the most part, we don't compare them because they are so different. There were so many evolutions that these two things had to undergo in order to come to the final form that they had. And so why would we compare ourselves to others whose trajectories are entirely different from ours, right? So unless you are in the same circumstances, in the same conditions, with the same talents, with the same variables being considered, it is preposterous to compare ourselves to others, yet I did it 
throughout my entire 20s and perceived someone else's position in life as better than my own and not recognizing that I had the power to change my position in life. Sometimes, most often, we view other people that perceptually are ahead of us. And we think, wow, they're succeeding in life. Wow, they've got a home. Wow, they've got this career that they're being really successful at. Part of that is usually seen through the lens of social media, which we know doesn't tell the, the entire story. The other part of it is we don't understand everything else that the person has had to go through. They've had to change. They've had to endure in order to get to that position. One of the things that I love telling people is that anytime you see someone succeed, clap, encourage them, and celebrate them because you don't know how long it has been since their last win. And so when we're looking at these other people and we're starting to have this feeling of comparison, I want you to ask yourself, what are all of the things that they have probably had to go through in order to come to this final form? And there, and I'm talking things like the different types of people that they had to talk to, the different types of life experiences that they had to go through, the schooling, the culture that they were introduced to, the genetic makeup, right? The early childhood influences. I mean, there are so many different things that have molded the person that you're comparing yourself to, to be who they are, that it is unfair for you to compare the same thing. Right, So the lesson is the only person that it makes sense to compare yourself to is who you were yesterday because that is literally the only entity in this world that is at the same level as you are. And you have the power to change your position in life. And the goal is to focus on getting 1% better every day and especially from the person that you were yesterday because that's what you can control. All right, next lesson consistency wins. And I'm going to put a caveat here, kind of an asterisk. Consistency wins not only in business, but also in your personal life, in your thoughts, and in your actions. Consistency isn't sexy. It's mundane, it's uneventful, and it's repetitive. But it is a space where those who want to generate momentum and smash their goals live. So learning to execute a plan and a routine for months or even years on end without fail is the single hardest thing I have had to learn how to do in my 20s. And I'm really still not there yet. And I want to go off on a, on a quick tangent where I talked about planning, executing, and then most importantly, motivating ourselves. There's a story that I had when I was applying to graduate school. I'm currently in right now, I'm in my spring semester, second semester of the program. But beforehand, maybe a year or two back from that, from that start, I had taken a project management uh, certification course about six months long through Google. Fantastic if you're interested in project management, it provided a great overview, felt like I got a lot of value out of something that was only like 230 bucks. So if you're interested in project management, want to dive more into it, I would really suggest the Google certification. But anyways, one of the skills that it taught me was how to actually construct a plan with milestones and then all the tactics that you had to perform underneath those milestones. And so that was the format and the layout that I used to essentially project 
how long it was going to take me to apply to graduate school. What are all the things that I need to get to finally, you know, with the end goal of finishing up my first semester, which was last fall. And the art of planning in and of itself is a skill from the time. And it gives you visibility, it gives you visibility into where you are versus where you want to go, which is very, very important, right? Making the invisible visible. And when I look back on the milestones and the timeline that I created, it took me about two years from the time that I started studying for my GRE to the time that I actually took the tests to then writing all of the essays submitting the applications, getting accepted, finally committing to a school, and then finishing up my semester. It was two years. And so there is an actual skill to not only planning the success that you want to see, but then also executing it for an incredibly long time without seeing success, without really seeing much momentum at all. And then there's this last part, which is motivating ourselves and being our own cheerleader, that slow clap in an auditorium is going to be you for a very long period of time. Do you think during that two years where I'm studying consistently and I'm writing all of these essays and I'm going through the process of reaching out to people to write letters of recommendations and submitting them and then paying for them too, because there's a, there's a financial component to this, all of those things, there were times where I could see why people don't apply to school, especially after they've been out of like the traditional path, right? Going through college, undergrad, graduating, and then going back. I can see why. It's a lot of work. It took two years for me to get to the point of finishing my fall semester when I first started studying for my GRE. And so there really is a, when we talk about consistency, we're talking about the way that we plan, the way that we execute, and the way that we motiv motivate ourselves as we are committing ourselves to consistency and doing it year over year, or month over month, day over day, year over year. And so the evidence to show you that you're not consistent are one, you're not hitting your goals you're striving for, and the timeline is constantly being pushed further and further back. Second, your inner monologue reminds you of your lack of commitment every time you miss a workout, Forget to write or do not wake up on time or do not stick to your plan. You know it within yourself. And then three is you're constantly frustrated because it's the conflict between your seemingly inability to do the repetitive work and where you want to go. Starting and stopping does not serve you. We need to learn to be maniacally consistent. And the last thing that I'll share with you is that every time that we push out our goals further and further because we're not being consistent, we decrease the amount of motivation that we have within ourselves to accomplish that goal. And it's a great illustration that I came up with kind of on the fly, but because you're stretching out the deadline further and further toward your success, toward, because you're stretching the deadline further and further out towards the goal that you want to accomplish, you're starting to show yourself how much further you have to go, which is the reason why it decreases the amount of motivation that you have to accomplish it. So let's stick to our timelines. Let's be consistent because consistency wins. All comes down to our daily habits. So the next resource I'm going to share with you is Atomic Habits by James Clear.
talks about exactly the environment that you have to build in order to make sure that these consistent habits are done with regularity. Next lesson, learn to say no. Not everything deserves your time and attention. In our current world, there is an oversaturation of products and people vying for our attention every second of every day. And there is only so much stimuli that we can absorb before our decision-making processes become ineffective. So learn to say no to activities, people, and events that take up time without delivering any value back, especially if it takes you away from engaging in the work to move your dream forward. So disclaimer, this is much harder written than it is. It's disclaimer. This is much easier said and written than it is to be actually put into practice. That's what my 30s are for. So I'll be learning to say no throughout this next decade. Uh, next lesson, people are more willing to help you than you think. If you reach out to people ahead of you with curiosity, humility, and a willingness to be coached, everyone and anyone will be more than willing to sit down with you and answer your questions. There is this cyclical nature for people to help each other and their investment in you is somewhat of like an ode to the time they felt timid to ask someone else for advice, but did it anyway and it paid off. So seek out people you want to learn from, ask them for help, be humble, and let the good fortune roll. And so I've, I can't tell you how many times I have reached out to people via LinkedIn um, and just asked for 30 minutes of their time. Usually I find that 30 minutes is a, is a pretty solid time frame to allocate to somebody you don't know, but you want to ask them a couple of questions. It's, uh, it's, it's good enough for just a chat. It doesn't take up the entire hour of the day. They can get back to work, but you want to make sure that you come prepared to that 30 minutes and ask some really detailed questions that are going to maximize the 30 minutes amount of time. And then if you felt like you developed good rapport with that person, what I would do is I would ask for a follow-up meeting maybe a month out. And I would, this is going to take a little bit of forward thinking, but that I would set the precedence for what I want to talk about at that point, right? And so it shows that you not, one, that you're forward thinking, that you are invested in your own development and that you respect their time, right? So if there's anybody that cares about their time, they're going to want to know that it's being invested wisely. And so make sure that you're a wise investment for someone to invest their time in. Also, with just asking people to grab coffees, um, people love to do that. I mean, that was, that was kind of the impetus for the show is talking about coffee and using the coffee theme as a way to, to center like how people have conversations nowadays. So ask, ask anybody to coffee. Again, making sure that they're investing their time in you wisely. It's a good investment for them. Next lesson. Don't waste opportunity. This goes even for the bad stuff. So a quote straight from Eric Thomas, the hip-hop preacher, every opportunity could be the last opportunity. So don't assume that there are more opportunities coming your way. Maximize the one right in front of you, whether it's a person, whether it's an event, a job, a speaking engagement, a client, etc. And certainly don't waste the opportunity to learn. There are going to be, when, and when I, when I talk about opportunities, what I'm really referring to is the things that afford you 
both the good outcomes and the bad outcomes. Right? So the good outcomes would be you land a client, you service them well, you get an opportunity to speak in front of the CEO, you get an opportunity to get in front of a large donor, right? Those things. What do you learn as a result of that experience? That's the opportunity. On the flip side, the opportunity could be you don't get the client. You mess up speaking in front of the CEO. You ramble on. You wait six months to start a podcast. All of those are still considered opportunities. And it's this mind shift that we've got to have where we say, what are all of these things teaching me? What's the experience? What's the lesson? What's the wisdom? Because this flows back into the next lesson that I learned, and I'll tie these two, which is things happen for you, not to you. And it's a change in perspective, but it's the experiences occurring right now are happening for you and not to you. And so you may be saying, okay, well, so what's the difference, Benji? When things happen for you, it's to contribute to your overall growth, to teach you a lesson, to give you wisdom, or increase your fortitude for the next challenge you face. If it's happening to you, that means you are being acted upon and playing the victim, allowing something to inflict itself on you rather than vice versa. So when we adopt this mindset of the circumstances or the events occurring in your life being for your benefit, we are more positive and optimistic as we go through them versus wanting to be seen as being pitied, as pitied. And this perspective can be carried from the small inconveniences that we face to the events that are truly catastrophic. So don't waste the opportunity to see the good in the things that are occurring around you because everything is happening for your benefit and it's not happening to you. And a couple of couple of instances that I've had is, uh, you know, when I first got started in franchising, I had a six month long interview process uh, at my previous employer. And I kept thinking, why is this taking so long? And with every rejection that I would get, I would have a little bit more of a, of a determination and have a little bit more and a little bit more until finally I got my big break. I finally got hired on by a brand. And what did I do with all that determination, all that patience, all of the learnings that I had about the organization? I got to put it into practice. And I did very well there over the five years that I was there. Um, even then, you know, after that, I had an opportunity because I was surrounded by good leadership to present a podcasting idea that I did internally for the for the company there as well. And there was a lot of great experiences there that I learned that translated into wanting to make this podcast, my own, a success, right? So there's all these lessons that you're going to learn in all of these experiences. It's about dissecting them, pulling out the wisdom, and then holding it because then there's going to be another opportunity that you're going to be able to apply that wisdom or somebody's going to reach out to you for help in a similar instance or a similar situation that you had encountered. And now you can provide that wisdom to them. So things happen for you, not to you. Don't waste a single opportunity. Next thing, and this is probably one of the lessons that's probably meant the most to me, is that sometimes it's just the day. Um, this was kind of an emotional lesson that I learned over the past five years. Um, oftentimes we become overwhelmed, frustrated, and ready to give up. 
And our thought processes even extend further to other areas of our life. And very quickly, we can become ungrateful and bitter. And during these emotional moments, I calmly suggest to myself that what I'm feeling could just be the result of tiny frustrations or inconveniences building up to this particular moment on this particular day. And I allow myself to feel all of it. Then I guide myself by saying, if I did feel this way tomorrow, then we know that there is something further to explore. If not, then it was just the day. And more often than not, I have discovered it's, it's in these moments when we are most upset with, and given a little bit of time, the feelings and the emotions subside, allowing us to think clearly about how to address some of the items that caused the frustration in the first place. So managing our own emotions can prevent us from making irrational decisions or harming others from the words we do not mean to say. So the next time that you find yourself frustrated or you find that things are just, you're so pent up and you're so mad and, and you just feel like the world is crumbling down around you and you feel stressed and your to-do list is getting even further and further and further and all you want to do is just kind of give up, um, just pause for just a second and tell yourself it just could be the day. And if, it's, if you feel this way tomorrow, then we can address it. But if you don't, then it could have just been the day. And whatever emotions you're feeling right now will subside. And you will be able to carry on as if it didn't happen. Or you'll be able to carry on better than what you were before. So sometimes it's just the day. Um, we're going, we're getting to the end of the lessons that I've learned. Uh, this one is there is no destination. The destination sometimes often not did not feel as good as the journey to it. So after reflecting on my goals, I'd said during my twenties, I realized I appreciated the struggle and the people I met along the way more than I cherished actually achieving the goal. The person I became mattered more to me than checking an arbitrary box. And the more I focused on simply improving myself and getting better at my craft, the more aware I became of this never-ending journey of growth because I knew change would always occur. There was always going to be another idea introduced to ponder over. There was new perspectives that I was going to have to consider and there was more knowledge that I was going to have to acquire. From this point of view, there is no definitive destination we arrive at. And there's only the next evolution of who we are forged through new experiences and a deeper awareness about the world around us. So don't stress and take your time. You've got nowhere to be. Second to last one, this one really rocked me uh, probably when I was a sophomore in college. I must have been maybe 20, 21. Um, and it was based upon an article. And so the lesson is, it's the number of times, not the number of years that matter. And this link I'll put inside of my, uh, inside of the show notes in the description too. You can take a look at it and read it. But the article is called The Tail End, and it changed my life. And the reason why it changed my life is, I'll use a simple illustration, is if you think about when you were younger, every day you spent with your parents. You would go to school, you come home, parents would be there. You would go to practice, come home, parents would be there. You would have a game, go home, parents would be there. 
And as we started hitting the major milestones in our life, the major events that were actually, you know, going off to college, um, getting married, doing all that stuff, the less and less instances, the less and less times that we actually had the opportunity to be in the presence of our parents, right? I mean, if you think about it this year, right? I've only seen my parents twice um, versus if I was 18 years or younger, I would see them every day. And so it's this notion and this idea that when we say, yeah, I've got my parents for another 30 years, we actually don't have them for another 30 years because when we say we're interacting with them, we count it as the number of times. So yes, I may be able to have my parents theoretically for 30 years, but the number of times that I talk to them the number of times I get to see them, the number of times I get to see them smile, the number of times that we go on vacations is already set, depending upon even if I make that a priority. And you can translate the this times, these instance concept to a lot of the things, right? When's, how many times do you have to hug your kids before you can't hug them every day? How many dates do you have left with your wife? before you no longer have dates? What are the number of times that you will be able to see your favorite artist in concert before you no longer do it? So it's this change in, this change in perspective of prioritizing the number of times that we want to do something and deprioritizing the others. So the article does a fantastic job of going through it and really outlining some other examples of it. So I would highly encourage you to you know go to the show notes, click on the link, and and read that article. If nothing else, you know, just benefits you in the way that you do your life differently. But if it really does make an impact on you, share it with somebody else. And the last lesson is the change that I want to see starts with me. And I can't remember, I'm pretty sure it was Gandhi that said it is like, be the change you want to see in the world. It's either Gandhi or Mother Teresa. And that really is true. Like, if you want to see more positivity in the world, be positive. If you want to see more enthusiasm, more good leadership, more strong father figures, you be that, right? All of the change that we want to see in the world starts with us because we have the ability to influence other people by leading by example, by the way that we lead our life. So even though I say that people rarely think about you, it doesn't mean that they aren't watching you. And it doesn't mean that the actions that you're taking day in and day out by being consistent is, having, is not having an impression on somebody else. So I really internalized this and I said, man, if I really want to be a good husband, if I want to be a good uh, business professional, if I, if I want to be a man of integrity, if I, if I want to live my life this way, if I want to see more of this, I first have to possess it within myself and have to work on it. So whatever change you want to see, whatever you feel like is lacking in the world that you would want to see more of, be that thing and people will follow suit. So I hope some of these lessons gave you some wisdom to think on. I hope it encourages you to reflect on your own life and extract some of the wisdoms that you've had because ultimately that's going to be nuggets that's going to benefit 
somebody else later down the road. Uh, for some of the items that I refer to in the content, uh, I'll post some of those images on the Brew Talks podcast Instagram page. So like my habit tracker that I use uh, for all the things that I want to execute every day without fail to make sure that I'm being as consistent as I can possibly be. Um, the graduate school plan, just to give you kind of an illustration of how I lay things out. And the funny productivity tracker that when I look at it now, it seems absurd. But at the time, I thought it was the most genius thing ever created. Um, I want to share all of those things just for transparency, showing how far I come, how much I still have to go, and everything in between. So feel free to comment on the images um, and let me know your thoughts. Um, and with that, I believe that concludes the episode and an ode to my 20s, me taking a bow. So thank you for everyone who has been consistently listening to this podcast. I know your time, energy, and attention can be anywhere else in the world on any other device, but the fact that it's here listening to this content means more to me than you know. So share this episode with a 20-year-old you think could benefit from listening to this episode, and let's continue striving to be our best selves. So pinkies up, Talkers, and we'll chat with you next time. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, and this is something you'd like to put in your coffee morning, noon, and night, please subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.